Okay, here we are again. Matthew, welcome. How are you? Doing good. Hey, Corey. Good. Hey. Uh, hey, it's been a little while, but we are, uh, we're back at it here, and uh, we've got a really interesting discussion coming right. up, I think, right? It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. Huge. Um, <laughs> but first, uh, I should uh, ask you how you're doing. Matthew, what's going on? How are, how are the prices? Doing good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had a funny story. The other day, I came home from work, and, um, and I saw my son, Micah, who right. is six years old. Yep. And he had his hair growing kind of long and it was kind of like, it's kind of full on the back and on the sides. And then, um, and I walked into our backyard and he met me in the backyard and he had nothing on his like forehead, like no hair, like on the front of his face. Yep. And there was like a straight cut right along the top. Like if anyone's seen Dumb and Dumber, like it just looked like. Jim Carrey from Dumb <laughs> yep. and Dumber, just high. I love. And I was like, yeah. Mike, as a dad, you try not to react poorly, like right, like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. in horror, right? Of like, totally. He looked like looks, a monk looks or awful. something. Yeah, yeah, like it looks, yeah. Like, yeah. Looks like he had like I got like some kind of like old school leather football helmet on where they have like <laughs> yeah, totally yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so I was like oh Micah what happened he's like oh Lucy cut my hair in the oh, basement and so I guess awesome. Lucy had just like taken scissors right to went his hair it. and yeah that's just so went great for it. I remember that we had something like with Max years ago and I forget what who it was someone was we, we were like gonna you know how you have like a, the razor and you're gonna like just shave like the the sides in the back or something we had the um the trimmers or whatever yeah and uh, and something happened that. Whoever, I don't know who it was, but they totally like shaved like a, like a two inch bald spot on the back of his head. And it was like, everyone's like, oh shoot. And then we never told him. I think we actually didn't tell him like for the next couple months. And he didn't Whoa. know because it was in the back of his hair. So we got away with it. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So being dishonest to your kids is sometimes valuable. Just kidding. Oh, okay. Just joking. Uh, yeah. Uh, Corey, how are you? Uh, I'm good. Yeah, I'm doing really well. Um, Reading anything good? Re- uh, yes, I am. I'm... You know, actually, I just started, um, so I've got a couple of books on the go. I, I, I finished Moonlight with Roland, which I've told you about, the David yep. Bentley Hart book. So good. I loved it. Uh, I just started a novel, but I honestly can't remember the title. Sherry Sherry handed it off to me, and I started reading it. It's really good, but that doesn't help anyone because I don't know the title. Uh, but I also am reading um, this book by Stanley Tucci. You know Stanley Tucci, the no, actor? No, He's uh You recognize him. He's in, like, The Devil Wears Prada. Um, he's, like, the... Um, uh, he's in he's in a lot of movies, but he's great. I never watched that movie. You've never watched The Devil Wears Prada? I would never watch it. Oh, you wouldn't? Sounds like the worst. <laughs> Have you seriously not watched it? <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh, it's so good. Is it good? It's, it's a really good movie. Okay. Yeah, it's, it actually really is a good movie. I'm yeah, trying to think Meryl Streep and... Um, yeah, Meryl Streep, Anne Hathaway. Oh, yeah, Anne Hathaway. Stanley right. Tucci's in it. Yeah, it's really good. Anyways, so he's got, a, he's got a couple books, I guess, but this book's called, I think, My Life with Food. Huh. He's a total... He's like an Italian-American, and he um, he just grew up where like in a, a traditional Italian family and they're, it's honestly, you read it and your mouth is watering because he just talks about what his home life was like. And really? and so much of his family life and community focused around food, around the table. It's actually kind of awesome. beautiful. It's really awesome. So That's cool. And he would he actually puts his recipes in there. And so you're reading this and just be like, oh my goodness, this is like so mouthwateringly amazing. It sounds so good. That's awesome. Um, so it's, I'm really enjoying that. And then I'm conti- I think I've said I've, I'm continuing to really enjoy um, uh, this book, Consuming Fire, which is like, George McDonald. It's like his um, unspoken sermons mm. um, uh, divided into 365 days. So it's cool. a, a kind of a devotional book. So I've been enjoying that a lot too. So yeah. Oh, nice. I just got one of those uh, for N.T. Wright. Oh, very cool. Oh, yeah. I think what? it's called On Earth As It Is In Heaven. It just came out. Nice. Okay. Yeah, That's 365, great. like, you little know, devotional little devotional readings. Devotions. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very cool. How about, what, what do you, uh, oh, you're reading, you were telling me you're reading Philip Yancey. I can't wait till they come out with the 365 for Corey. 
Really? Like your, of, your of little thoughts. My little thoughts. Yeah. Little, I should I should actually just self publish something. You should do it. <laughs> yeah. That's actually not a bad idea. I have so many good thoughts. Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm read I am reading the Philip Yancey book. Yeah. Um uh oh, it's like something about light when the light falls or something like that. Right. Anyway, is, is like I would recommend people read it. Yeah, Tanya read it, devoured it, just yeah. loved it, said it was so Yancey. well written. Yeah. And I started it a couple nights ago, and it's really good. It's huh. all about his relationship with his brother and mother hmm. and okay. how his dad died like when he was only like a few months old or whatever. Okay, yeah. And his dad had polio. He was like in an iron lung. and Oof. But it's him basically finding some things out about his family that he didn't know and how he had to process them as a young adult. Mm. Um, and I mean, that's as far as I am in the book, but mm. Tanya was just like, this is so good. And I think it goes deep into his relationship with his mom, with his okay. mom. Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, and it deals with like legalism, um, and, and love of a mom and a father. Anyway, it's I, just... I love Philip. Yeah. I, I would love to read Cause I've read, I, I went through, a. A long Philip Yancey phase where I've read I've read a lot of his books. Yeah, and I just, like me too. Just, like Soul Survivor. Soul Survivor is so What's good. What's so amazing about Grace? And, and Soul Survivor yeah. introduced me to so many amazing other authors. Right? Exactly. Like Shusaku Endo. Yeah, Shusaku Endo. I, yeah. I went through a Shusaku Endo phase too. Flannery O'Connor. Fla- I, I know. I haven't. I need. I've read one of her books. I know. I need to read more of her. Yeah. But like even even like yeah Dostoevsky and Tolstoy right he talks yeah. about yep yeah, that Dostoevsky got me in them. yeah Chesterton yeah so many um so many good anyways and, he's so uh, great pa- uh, Paul Brand. Yes, right, right. The the sci- not Paul the doctor, Brand, right? Not pra- Alberta Bound. <laughs> right. the, uh, yeah, the uh, country singer from Alberta, <laughs> Calgary. <laughs> so good. Yeah, Phil Bianchi's huge fan. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Paul. Yeah, what was it? He had. I forget what his big. He had one big hit. I think. I'm Alberta Bound. Uh, no, yeah, I don't think that was it. Piece of heaven that I found. Uh, no. no, it was. I don't know. It was some cheesy song. I forget what it was, but not him, but Paul Brand, the leper doctor. Yes, the leper doctor, right? Not. Yeah. The, no, sorry, it sounded like you were going to say the leper. I'm like, no, he was like a leopard doctor. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> You're going to have to edit that yeah, part okay. out. <laughs> I think I have to edit that anyway. um, uh, I was going to say, though, I feel like Philip Yancey, like I always thought of him as kind of like, kind of like the conscience of evangelical Christians almost. Yeah, he was keeping us honest. He was. Because I really love that about how he was, he was brutally honest in a way, or he is brutally honest in a way that isn't, doesn't. I don't think throw things, throw people under the bus, but he's like, yeah. he's just really articulate about it and very, yeah, very honest and saying, this is, this is broken, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I, I really like him. It's kind of like you to me. You keep me honest. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I think so. No. Uh, well, Hey, thanks. You probably keep me, uh, um, self-righteous. Self-righteous. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You build up my ego, which I really appreciate. Yeah, exactly. No, no, it's good. You actually, I feel like, I feel like actually it's funny cause you always say those things. I feel like your role is probably helping me to be like, oh yeah, right. I kind of like, I was going to say remain orthodox, but I don't mean it's not only you, there's many, many other people that are in that project. But, um, um, but actually where I, I do appreciate, I have a few people in my life like that. Rob Tyson's like that too, where I'll be like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll have like, cause I just love new ideas as you know. But then it's always good to be like, ah, but what about this? And it's like, oh, okay, right, right. It kind of keeping me, putting some good parameters, I think, around me. Hmm. That's probably a good thing. Yeah. Parameters are good things. Okay. Well, I don't want to be too much the older brother. No, right. Yeah, older. I know. I feel like that's like a bit of a, when I, I said that in our last podcast and you kind of were like, you had a big reaction to it. <laughs> What's well, my big thing? I don't want to be the older brother in the prodigal son right. story. Yeah, totally. Right. 
Yeah, I hear you. I guess it's in that way. Yeah, the, the younger brother sort of ends up in a bit of a better light. I know. Yeah. Well, hey. Um, okay. <laughs> oh, sorry. So what I mean to say is, hey, Matthew, you're not. There's no. like no hope yeah. there. <laughs> no. Well, I guess. No, 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 no. That's you're just not. the worst. You're no way. Nope. Don't receive <laughs> that. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, good. So you want to talk Corey. about like, man, world powers and revelation and like. <laughs> yes, we're getting into getting Russia. Into- we're getting into revelation. A lot of stuff. Man, that's intense. This is like Are we ready? big stuff. I'm so ready. Let's just do this. No, I just want to play with a thought here. So hopefully okay. this podcast, like, this is not something that I would bring up in a sermon, I don't think. <clears throat> like, it's just a little too bizarre. Yes. So I thought, oh, a podcast would be great, especially to talk it out. Yeah. Good. So I'm coming with a bit of a uh, an understanding of the book of Revelation, specifically chapter 13. Okay. And what's currently going on with Russia and Ukraine, it felt like a good opportunity to kind of talk about Revelation 13. Hmm. So can I jump into it here? Yep, let's okay. do it. So I don't know uh, if you've been hearing, but there's this concept called the Holy Rus, R-U-S. Um, and I first heard about this on the Unbelievable podcast with Justin Briley, That's a podcast good. that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And then I was reading on ABC News, uh, uh, someone named a uh, reporter named Andrew West. Yep. Um, and he was interviewing um, uh, a professor named Jocelyn Cesari from Harvard Divinity School. Mm-hmm. And basically, the argument it, uh, that 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 Andrew West and that this professor Jocelyn Cesari, and then what I heard on the Unbelievable Pop, Unbelievable podcast, is that Putin is actually has a divine mission. So he's actually. Uh, moving into Ukraine because he believes that he's got this almost holy war mm. um, mission. Mm. And and it's anchored in the Russian Orthodox Church and their understanding of the kingdom of God. Mm. So the idea is that the kingdom of God has come on earth as it is in heaven. And so that literally the land like the culture, the land, the church, they're all kind of connected mm. so that there's this holy Russia. But it's not necessarily geographical lines. It's it's bigger than that, but part but but the land is actually very important. And so actually Ukraine is a much more ancient center of the Russian Orthodox Church. So mm. actually Kiev, some say is like much older than Moscow itself. Like that mm. Kiev is very important for the Russian Orthodox Church. And so this idea of a Holy Rus, Holy Russia, um, that, and I just want to read a quote from uh, Professor Jocelyn Cesari. She says, Vladimir Putin is not just involved in a violent land grab. He believes he's fighting his own holy war to restore the ancient territory of the Holy Rus with the Ukrainian capital, Kiev, as the third Rome. Hmm. Super interesting. Hmm. So, so the idea here is that is that there is this land that's kind of holy and he's got this divine mission to get it back. So the news is talking a lot about NATO and I'm sure that's part of it and Ukraine looking westward. I'm sure that's definitely a big part of it. Right. But I think he really feels like he's going to lose holy land hmm. under the Russian Orthodox Church fr- from his from his grip, right? Hmm. And that it's going to move to the west as it were. And so he's on this sacred mission to protect the land and expand the land with this 
with this partnership with the church. And this is the mm-hmm. thing that I wanted to talk about because, because you see, why does Putin care about the church? Like he's like, if you remember his story is he was a KGB officer, mm-hmm. communist Russia, that's anchored in atheism. So he's not necessarily religious. So what's going on? And, and listening to the unbelievable podcast, um, there was a couple great uh, guys on there just kind of giving a history of his story that in the last number of years, he's had this like, I don't think it's a heart conversion, but like a weird form of a conversion Mm. (laughs) to the Russian Orthodox church and really adopting their vision of this Holy Russia connected to land Mm. and that it's incredibly convenient for him to have this, this idea of Holy land for him. Right. Right. (laughs) It kind of works with his, with his kind of uh, desire for Ukraine, you know, Crimea and, and, and so basically he's kind of, is he a real believer in Jesus? We don't know, mm. but is he kind of a quote unquote member of now the Russian Orthodox Church and adopting their understanding of Holy Russia? Yes, for sure. There's some other stuff that I don't know a ton about. Apparently he's got some advisors. They're all about like numerology. Mm. Like it was really important. I, I think he, you know, um, based on the calendar date to, to be doing some, some certain oh, uh, military moves, yeah. um, right. Oh, okay. I think was a day he did something important uh, mm. a few weeks ago, like moving, moving tanks into Ukraine or something like that. But like, so he's dealing with numerology. So I don't know a lot about that. I'm just being honest. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know a ton about that, but this idea of a Holy Russia based on land, but it's mm. connected to the church. What I feel like is he is getting a blessing from the church to do this. Mm. Right oh, yeah. now, um, uh, Kirill is the head of the Ro- Roman Orthodox or the Russian Orthodox church. Okay. Um, uh, his name is Kirill and he, he is, he's been very silent recently, which mm. really feels like he's just kind of allowing this to happen. Right. He's not standing against it turning a blind and eye, turning a blind eye and seeing mm. what I feel like is here's political power that has the backing of, of a religious power, mm. um, to unleash lots of death. Wow. And I'll pause here, but I want to say, we see this in revelation 13. That's my point. So I want to talk about revelation 13 in a second, but I just want to pause there what do you think, Corey? Yikes, I know that's kind man. of a weird I, thought. I, I'm new to this. I just started learning yeah. about this last week. I'm brand new to this, and I yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, it sounds to me right away. I thought of Israel and Palestine as far as like you know the land and like the totally. holy land, and you know, and and of course when you think about when you think about um, political powers and the church, you know, again right away you think about Nazi Germany and you know and Hitler and the like you know the Lutheran Church and um, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know, this whole which is again it's it's very. It feels very ugly and very scary too, right? If that's the if that's the case, yeah. Um, but you're saying it, it sounds. I was going to ask you if they're there because I haven't paid as much attention as maybe I should. But has the the Russian Orthodox Church hasn't really have they said anything about what's happening? Is there any sort of stance that they have in this or no? No, no. It's no. just been kind of silent. That's right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yikes, man. That's terrible. Yeah. It's really terrible. terrible. It's very terrible. Uh, now, now there were, there was just the other day, um, I saw an article that 400 Russian pastors wrote, assigned a document against yeah. what Putin has done. Yeah, right. And I think, I just this morning, um, I need to follow up on this, but I thought 240 of them were actually Orthodox uh, 
Yeah, I priest. think I think that rings a bell for me yeah. too. Yeah. So so it could be that there are some standing against this, mm-hmm. um, but not from the top. Right. Is not my understanding. Sort of official. Yeah. 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 Oh wow. Oh man, that's great. And that, of course, I feel like I mean, they who is it? I forget. I'll butcher the quote, but I remember someone just saying how the nastiest wars are religious wars, right? Like in, in, when it, when totally. they're based in religion, because then it's like, you'll, there's nothing you won't do, right? If it's, yes. if it's out of the fear of God or what is my divine right or whatever that is. That's right. That's scary. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think we see this in Revelation 13. Uh, exactly what you're saying here is this idea of a religious war, a holy war. Mm. And it's when the church backs political powers. Um, it's one thing for like a government to do something and right. they've got a secular uh, agenda. Right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I want that land uh, to do trade and to, yeah. you know, whatever, expand the empire money. Right. Right. I, for some reason for me, and it's just, just a personal opinion, it just becomes more sinister and sad and broken when it becomes part of a religious agenda. You bring God into it. Totally. You, you, like it, it all of a sudden there's this, there's this justification that is anchored in something sacred. And I'm just like, well, then how are you going to tell someone they're wrong? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, God, God made me do it. It's like, you know, with, you, you know, dating someone in high school. It's like, God told yeah, me yeah. to break up with you. Totally. Yeah. And it's like, wow. To marry I, you. God told me I'm going to marry you. you God told me. Yeah. Yeah. You can't break up with me. Yeah. And it's like, well, how are you going to say no to that? Yeah. It's just worse. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's yeah. I feel, and that's, yeah, I know this is not the conversation. I feel like that's where I, I do get sometimes worry when people say using that kind of language, I have friends that, that will say, you know, and God, God said to me so clearly blank, you know, and I'm always, I, I just always just, is just a personal thing. Like I just feel slightly wary of that. And for me, it's actually just far better to always say, I think God said, you know, like, or, yeah, or sure. I believe God said this to me, right? It seems like God, you know, just because there's just that, that humility that I think is necessary when we're talking about God speaking directly to us or whatever, totally. whatever God's, our understanding of God's will for, you know, oof, man. Okay. Yeah. This is an interesting angle. I had not heard any of this. <clears throat> All right. So, um, I know the book of Revelation is very complicated. I would love in a number of years to do a whole series on Revelation. I think it would take us some time because the images in Revelation are just loaded. They're anchored in the Old Testament. Hmm. They're really, uh, they're grounded in Jesus. Um, There are lots of numbers and uh, I think they uh, can be understood through the Old Testament as well and um, and in the life of Jesus. And so I, I wanna talk about Revelation 13 and I, I want to talk about two beasts that we see in, in Revelation 13. Okay. Um, we always refer in Revelation to there's a beast. Right. <laughs> there's actually two beasts. Okay. Um, and so I want to talk about them. So one beast uh, in Revelation 13.1 comes up out of the sea. Then skip down to verse 11. A second beast comes out of the earth. Hmm. So two beasts. Now, they are... Behind these two beasts is the dragon. And you read about the dragon in the previous chapter, Revelation 12. And in Revelation 12, the dragon uh, tries to eat a baby that is just born to a woman. Mm. Uh, Clearly, this is Mary giving birth to Jesus. Yeah. Um, And some have seen it as like the birth of the church as well. Mm. And so so that the dragon is now, he can't kill the baby. Mm-hmm. So he's now going to go after the followers of Jesus. And, uh, but here's the deal. It's weird. 
all of a sudden he tries to kill the baby. <laughs> right. Um, but the baby's snatched away to safety in Revelation 12. But rather than doing a direct, the dragon then doesn't do a direct assault on the followers of Jesus. Mm -hmm. He uses two beasts to do his work. Hmm, it's right. really weird. So he doesn't go after the church directly. Right. The serpent, Satan, this dragon, goes after the followers of Jesus indirectly. And he uses these two beasts. Okay. okay. Yeah. So beast number one, uh, it's a beast from the sea. And I'm going to make the argument that this is an anti-God political power. So okay. just think politics, government, some kind of empire. So I'll just read the verse, verse one and two. And I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had 10 horns and seven heads with 10 crowns on its horns and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. So here's the deal. The dragon gives this beast authority. Now, now who is this beast? Well, it's really interesting because it, it looks like a leopard, but it's got the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion. That is a hyperlink back to the book of Daniel chapter four, where Daniel sees four kingdoms. So this is moving back hundreds of years, right? Yes, yeah. He sees four kingdoms and they, I can't remember off the top of my head, but like one's Babylon, one's Assyria, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right? Persia, right. Persia. Yes. And so one's a leopard, one's a lion, one's a bear. Mm. Uh, and one is unrecognizable, uh, indescribable. But so I think what John is seeing in his vision in the book of Revelation, the vision that Jesus gives him is this beast that's a blend of all of these empires, mm. right? Mm. It looks like a, it's a leopard, but it's got the face of a lion, feet of a bear. And, and, and it's like, all these beastly kingdoms have come together in one. Yeah. And the reader of Revelation should probably be thinking about Rome, right? right? This Roman empire is like this culmination of these beastly empires, right? Right. But I think when we read Revelation, we, we, could probably, we, we will see that these Romes show up. There's always a Babylon. There's always yeah. an Assyria. There's always a Rome. And so we find empires like this uh, for the last 2000 years, mm, we yeah. see more and more empires that are beastly like this mm. and that they stand against the living God. These empires stand against the living God. So Babylon, Assyria, Rome, any other political power that rejects God's ways. And here's the point the book of Revelation is saying. It's saying the dragon's behind it, mm -hmm, right? right? Like that there is a dragon behind this empire and the dragon uses the political beast for his purposes, so my uh, professor, Daryl Johnson, says it this way, quote, the dragon goes after the disciples of Jesus, but not directly. He goes after them through the beast from the sea, through dragon manipulated political powers. And Daryl goes on to say, quote, when the state seeks to be God, it does not become divine. It becomes demonic. Oof. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just going to pause with first beast. Okay. We're doing okay. We're doing okay. Yeah, this is heavy stuff, but it's good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good. I'm in. All right. So then there's a second beast, Revelation 13, right? Yep. 13, 11 to 12. And I'm going to argue that this beast is religious power that aligns itself like an unholy alliance with the first beast, with political power. Okay. Okay. So 
uh, verse 11, John says, John writes this, then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. I just want to pause there really Mm -hmm. quick. It looks, this beast looks like a lamb. So it doesn't look ugly and big. It's just like a little lamb, right? Right. But when the lamb opens its mouth, it sounds like a dragon. Mm. Verse 12, it exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. Okay. There's a lot to say here. We could go into the weeds. I'm trying not to. I just want to stay at a 30,000 foot level. Yeah, yeah. So, but here's the deal. This beast looks like a lamb and has the voice of a dragon. Right. Uh, So it looks like Jesus, as it were. Right. Right. Because previous in the book of Revelation, uh, Jesus is the lamb. Yes. A slain lamb. Totally. Right. It looked like it had been slain. So this lamb seems to have had a wound, but looks like it's healed. It looks like a slain lamb, hmm. right? Right. It yeah. looks a lot like Christianity or Jesus or something like that. But when it opens its mouth, it speaks the words of the dragon. How crazy is that? That feels <laughs> right. Yeah, it's very um, ominous. Ominous and like and super like uh, what's the right word? Um, Hmm. Yeah, it, it, ominous is good for now. Yeah, it just feels like wow, that feel that feels so prophetic, right? It's so prophetic, and kind of like yeah. oof, how far do you want to pull those layers back? You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's why I think the Book of Revelation is so misunderstood and so so important for today. Actually, Daryl Johnson, my prof, yeah. he said if there's one book of the Bible that I, that if you got rid of all the others and you only hold hold on to one, yeah. I'd pick Revelation mm. because in it you see the entire story of Scripture and hope for the church, and it's mm. just and I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah. So, so here's so here's this beastly lamb, <laughs> yeah. right? It's and it's religious power that aligns itself. It buddies up with political power, so it exercises all the authority of the first beast on its behalf. So, so the political power is using the second beast the one that looks like a lamb to do its to do its thing. So and I think political powers often need the blessing of the state church of mm. the religion of the country. Yep. So you and I were just before we started recording we talked about yeah about uh Hitler. Yes. You know. Yeah. Not that he was Lutheran or believed in God but he kind of needed the Lutheran church to kind of Kind of back him up. Kind of back him yeah. a bit. Uh, right now, Putin needs the Russian Orthodox Church. Yep. Yeah. One wonders, does did Trump need evangelicals? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. He did needed that. 85% or something of evangelicals supported Trump, I think is what they yeah. said. Yeah. 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 And I mean, and you can just go on and on. Like, right. where, where do you see European powers needing the backing of the Vatican? Where hmm. do you see um, British powers needing the backing of the Queen? You right. know, or, yeah, when, yeah. or whatever it is. Um, time and time again... Uh, oh, leaders uh, want the blessings that come from pastors or priests um, in Christian countries, but leaders in Muslim countries need the blessing from imams. Mm. Uh, Catholic leaders need a blessing from the Vatican. Vladimir Putin needs the blessing from the Russian Orthodox Church. See, I think dra- the dragon is manipulating religious power uh, to serve the needs of the pol- of these political powers but all of it is the work of the dragon uh, who's using religious power uh, for his own ends. So I'm going to end my thought here. But mm. if you put these two beasts together, 
you have religious powers deceiving people into worshiping political powers. And when you were in Rome, this would be so true. It would be very hard to distinguish the difference between Caesar and his armies and the cult of the emperor, where you had to say, Kaiser Curios, Caesar is Lord. And right. you had to take a pinch of incense in the market and throw it on the altar so that you can do your marketplace work, right? right? Like, yes. yeah. Or if not, you'd lose your job or you couldn't shop in the marketplace. Hmm. So when you start talking about the mark of the beast, yeah. it's something on your body that allows you to still do commerce while worshiping the empire. Hmm. So, so again, we could go down the rabbit trail for mark of the beast. Uh, I'm not going to do that right now. But yeah, yeah. I think we just need to see that there's not one beast, there's two beasts, and they work together, politics and the church. And I, you see it in Rome, and I think you see it right now with Russia and, and the Oof. Russian Orthodox Church. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, that feels very... Um very sobering, right? Because it and it and then it, you you start thinking. Obviously, it feels like these dramatic events. Maybe it becomes far more clear, right? Like with something yeah. like this, and obviously with like Hitler. Um, but it, it actually makes me think about like Revelation. I know, I don't know. There's like I was gonna say you're not gonna you're not gonna predict the end of the world now, are you? Like with uh, I feel like that's that's come up, right? I've seen <laughs> yeah, a few yeah. of those things. Yeah. With, um, but it makes me think about it. This is Bishop Robert Barron, who we both like. I remember him talking about. Um, mm. Uh, and this is this is this is connected. Like he's talking about the Garden of Eden and the uh, mm. the sin of Eve taking the forbidden fruit. <clears throat> and I love how he said it's a, you know, he's talking about the story and he's saying it's actually it's an ontological story. Yes. It's, he's he he argues that it's not a chronological story that we're not we're not meant to find this in history necessarily. Um, but he would say rather it's actually it's a it's a picture of the human condition is what it is. Right. And so he's saying it's it didn't happen it's happening is how he would put it. Mm. That's what he says. Right. Right. Which I really love and I'm like oh I like that and I feel like this almost is a similar idea in a way right it's sort of saying this is a picture of yeah of empire and a picture of the church and how the two together. Yes, is pretty deadly and a pretty pretty um, poisonous yes combination, right? Or at least can be, or maybe yeah. maybe always will be. I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is. I but. like that, Corey. I have a slightly <clears throat> different. Like, I'm open to the idea that it happened and it is happening. Right. Yeah. So so, I'm, Bishop Barron is way smarter than I am. <laughs> well, I mean, yes. Yeah, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I but the idea that it happened and is happening, and I think in Revelation. I think it happened with Rome, but it's happening and mm. will continue to happen. Because I think if we just say this is only about Rome, that kind of misses it. Right. If we say it's only about some future thing, mm -hmm. it misses it. Yeah. I think it's like for 2,000 years, Revelation 13 is true. Right. For yeah, 2,000 yeah. Sure. years, totally. It, it was true of Rome. Yeah. And it was probably true of uh, all kinds of uh, uh, Catholic alliances with, with European nations, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lutheran alliances with German lords, mm -hmm. uh, Muslim alliances with, you know, uh, you know, Arabian countries. Yeah. You know, it just can go on and on and on that that false religion and and empires come together and they're yes. a, they're a perfect mix. Totally. I think that he yeah. I just to. What I think he was getting at when he said it didn't happen, I don't think he mean. I think he's arguing for a non-factual reading of the, uh, you know. So he's and so right. and and then I think you maybe could agree yeah. with that. I yeah. know you don't want to necessarily go all the way there, but like you know, even in Revelation, he would say we, you're probably saying the same thing because he would say it's not as though it happened as a historical factual event. What what John is seeing, 
but he's saying rather that's what it's, it's prophetic in that it is happening ah, and it I has continued you know so i think that yes. i think that's what he was getting at so yes but um do you mean yeah. that like john there was not actually a beast that came out of the sea is what you're getting at. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. It's not yeah, like yeah, a literal. Yeah. He's John's having a vision of some sort. Exactly. That is describing yes. something that is present and ongoing. Exactly. But not necessarily factual. You know, like you know what I mean. Like it's not like a factual. Totally. Yeah. So it's. I know it's, it gets a bit hazy, but I think. Sure. I get it. Yeah. 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 Totally. Interesting. I I just have some interesting moments just growing up myself as an American and um, seeing the way sometimes the kingdom of the USA. And the mm. kingdom of God were blended in oh, a yeah. way that I kind of lost track. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would grow up often singing like the battle hymn of the Republic. Um, like one of the lines from that song is, as he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free while God is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. Mm. So when you sing glory, glory, hallelujah, his truth is marching on. Are you thinking about evangelism or a tank? Right, right, right. Yeah, totally. It's a little hard to know, Mm -hmm. right? Because his truth is marching on. He died to make men holy. Let us die to make men free. Right. So it's like, as Jesus died for us, we are going to go to war. Totally. Yeah, I get it. Freedom. I mean, it's not like as an American kid, I grew up thinking this was awful, but I'm just like, here's this language of like the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the USA so blended together mm. that I don't even know what I'm singing. Right. Totally. So in God Bless America, there's a line, God Bless America, land that I love, stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. So that makes me feel like, I know it's a prayer and it doesn't say it in the song. It's mm-hmm. not like God is blessing America. Right. Yeah. Right. But it may, when you grow up singing a song like this, you feel like America has the light from above. It has God's stamp of blessing on it. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And therefore, you, what you have is, at least what I feel like the churches and songs that I grew up in, was there was this endorsement of whatever the U.S. was currently doing. Right, yeah. Which as I've, as I've grown, I'm not so sure I wanted to be part of that. Yes. Yeah, right. Totally. Whether it's the CIA and its dealings in South America, mm. um, you know, Guantanamo Bay, uh, the, you know, the use of, of torture uh, when it came to Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, like I, I, you know, is God blessing that? Is that, mm. is that part of God's blessing? Um, is, is this, is this what it looks like for truth to march on is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and going in what way do we say, God bless America and the troops. And by the way, I'm saying this, I know I'm living in Canada, but yeah, I'm, yeah. I am coming from a family of soldiers, right? Mm, my right. grandfather fought in World War II. My great-grandfather fought in World War I. I have two uncles that were in Vietnam. I have lots of youth kids that were in Iraq hmm. uh, and Afghanistan. Yeah. And so I'm not saying this as like going, oh, it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's not a big deal. Like to me, it's a really big deal. Like if sure. I think that that USA, the kingdom of USA and the kingdom of God are somehow being blended together yeah. in a way that I don't know what I'm saying. Oh man. Yeah. To- I hear what you- I hear what you're saying. Yeah. It's like, and you're, it's, I feel like when you go down that path, it does become, it's hard to know. It's hard to know where to land, you know, even talking about war, right? Cause you're like, well, you know, war is terrible. We, I think we all, almost everyone would agree wars. Well, maybe not. I don't know. Hopefully most of us would agree war is terrible. And then, of course, the question is like, yeah, but what do you do if if there's a, a tyrant who is threatening your families and your and your freedom, right? Or sure. or another country's freedom, and you know. So, um, I find that line the uh, and her uh, sorry, 
his, his truth is marching on. Again, I know this is this. You and I have had many conversations about this, but I'm always like, whose truth? Like, and and how right. and how do you know? And tell me more about that truth because I have a feeling. <laughs> you know, we we all probably have a different version of what that truth is. Sure, I know that not everything's relative, Matthew. You and I have had those conversations, and I think we'd both agree that that no one has the market necessarily on specifically <laughs> always what that truth yeah. is, right? And that's a dangerous idea in a way, right? Well, totally. And to add insult to injury or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If we if we have sometimes hard times arriving at clarity on truth, yeah. Imagine if that truth starts to march like a right. military. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, then you've got this certainty about one way of seeing things and it's got a military like do you know yeah, what I mean? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, suddenly it's like uh you've got a well, I was thinking about the mob, but not necessarily the mob, like the the mob mentality of like there's there's obviously this is like with military you've got guns and tanks and planes and everything else. And so suddenly it becomes less of a philosophical argument. And suddenly you're like, no, there are like lives at stake here. Because right. we're, we're doing God's, in a, in a sense, if you peel back the layers, we're doing God's mission. Like we know that exactly. God wants us to be free. Therefore, yes, it's dirty work, but but it's God's work in the end. Right. Which is like, yeah, feels so... Exactly. Uh, can feel so anti-Christ, actually, right? When you think about the way 100%. Jesus preached. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. So I stood, I remember one time I stood at a, a a service in my home church, the home church I grew up in. And I had I'd been living in Canada for a couple of years, um, for a few years, actually. And then I was actually a youth pastor here at the time. And hmm. I flew down. This is before we had kids. Must have been like 2008, 2009. And our church was having a... Um, a celebration of the different uh, uh, branches of the military. Okay. So um, there's a song that we sing that has all the different songs from the different military branches. And yeah. so different members of our church would stand up. So if they were in the Marines, they would stand up and walk to the front. If they were in the Navy, if they're in the Air Force, if uh, they were in the Coast Guard, or if they were in the Army. Right. And so you'd stand up and you'd walk to the front. And I know all the songs for right, right. each one. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, uh, it's very patriotic. And then we all stand and sing. We sing songs like this, like Battle Hymn of the Republic, God Bless America. And there's images of soldiers, you know, and my heart goes out to soldiers like 100 totally. percent. It's yep. so hard. And you're putting your life on the line. And um, and I grew up with a real I grew up with a respect for the American flag. I was never mm -hmm. allowed to let it touch the ground. I, you mm. know, you fold it up. My, gran yeah, yeah. my grandpa taught me how to do that. And and there was just this sense. Um, like I have a little recording from my grandpa who who just. I, there was, I heard the audio like last year and he mm. just said, Matthew, I want you to promise me to love her your mm. whole life. Love her. And I realized on the recording, he was talking about the United States, mm. like just mm. to love her. I mean, my, my grandpa was on the beaches of Normandy, like World yeah. War II, wow. right? So I, he had this respect for America. And so I get all that. Yes. But when I stand in that service and I hear these songs that I'm not sure if I'm talking about Jesus or if I'm talking about the U.S., yep. it, it then what I feel is there's a blending of religion and, and, and war religion mm. and power in a way that does not look a lot like our crucified King. No, right? that's right. Who yeah, called yeah. us to be peacemakers and mm -hmm. to turn the other cheek and to love our enemies. And, and again, there's a whole other conversation about how that works when there's bad people like Hitler. I get that. Yeah, yeah, totally. I totally get that. That's a big conversation. But what I don't like is I'm standing there and I'm just not sure what kingdom I'm celebrating as I'm there. Um, hmm. 
in, in the worship service. It was funny, actually, we were all standing, singing and worshiping. And I got a text from one of uh, my youth kids right at that moment. Mm -hmm. And I feel my phone go off and literally I'm standing singing like a song, like God bless America. Mm -hmm. And I, and I hear like a buzz in my pocket. So I just like, look at the text. I had a flip phone at the time. I look at the text and it's one of my youth kids who's now on the worship team, Emily Emily Doyle. She was like, Hey, how's it going in the land of the free and the home of the obese? Oh man! And I'm like, Whoa. okay, this is not the time for a Canadian teenager yeah, yeah, to be exactly. texting me. Totally. So I put the phone back Emily in my Duel. pocket. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. anyway, I so I have I've started thinking this about like what it means to um, to be a Christian and current American politics. You know, um, siding with Trump on one side, yeah, yeah. Um, but also just you know, there's a whole strand of Christians that side with Biden on the other. I mean, it's not. It's to me, it does feel like, you know, you would say progressive left leaning kind of mainline Protestants side mm-hmm. with Joe Biden and kind of evangelical conservative side with Trump. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I'm saying both are a problem. Right. Like right, I don't sure. I don't love either. Uh-huh. Um, in Canada, it's a little bit weirder. Like it I can't is, yeah. picture it as much like who's the church backing? Like I see some of it like with maybe some PPC or, or conservative candidates. Sometimes there's the assumption that we would always vote conservative. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's as big. I don't, I don't feel like it's near, at least I didn't like growing up here. I never, I never sensed uh, any sort of pressure to be, to align myself with a particular political party. I don't think hmm. it's, yeah. and, and actually I like, it's funny cause you talk about the States and I, sometimes there is, there is part of me that's like, I, I have a little bit of a, almost like a, a little jealousy. Cause I'm like, Oh, there must be something nice about being so, loyal to your country like you know and just like just thinking mm. about it on a on surface level because i didn't i've never grown up that way in, in canada like i love i'm so grateful for canada but it is a, i have i have some friends in the u.s um who are very much like like what you're describing just absolutely loyal like the best and they'll and they'll say things on 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 instagram or facebook you know like just i love living on the best country on the planet like in the best you know the and i'm always kind of like oh my word come on like canada is clearly the best country in the world but i'm not gonna say it you know yeah 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 um and it's funny because I there's part of me that's like I I get the I actually I really get the temptation or the temptation I get the the draw to that I'm hmm. um, saying so this is like this is God's country this is like look at how free we are look at how and so and again back to the blessing the word blessing well what is blessing right I remember I remember reading Larry Crabb's book uh, it was years ago Shattered Dreams I think it was called or Shattered hmm. something and it was I, I haven't really read much of his stuff. That book was, I really at the time, was really meaningful. Hmm. He was basically turning the idea of blessing on its head a little bit and saying, like, what if blessing actually doesn't mean what we think it means? Like, what right. if it doesn't mean health and wealth and, you know, and freedom and whatever else? Like, he's... Uh, so, whatever. I don't remember too much about, about the book, but I do... It, it's hard to argue with with those kinds of optics sometimes, right? When you're like, right. well, hey, look at us. Like, what are, you know, what are you going to say? Like, clearly, God is blessing us if... We're free, we're wealthy, we got lots of food, we got, you know, look at our land, it's the best, there's job opportunities, there's, you know, so let's keep doing what we're doing. Sure. It's, it is, I get the, I get the temptation and the, it feels like a radical idea to turn, to do what Larry Crabb did in that book, actually say, well, maybe that's not actually God's blessing. Maybe that's, uh, what if it was the opposite? Mm. (laughs) What if it was like, anyways, yeah, not that I'm saying that it is, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that there does seem to be a blessing in going the way that God designed the world to go. Totally. Yeah, I agree. So when you're like loving people, giving people rights and dignity, I mean, mm-hmm. you can argue the U.S. never did that with African-Americans, never right. did that with First Nations, right? Yes, but, right. you know, um, 
you're allowing people the freedom to work, to earn their own livelihoods, the freedom of worship. Yeah. I think when you have some of those big rocks there, like yeah. the freedom of worship and the rights for people and I don't know, then you're probably going to go generally a good direction. Totally. Yeah, a, I think that's in true. In a macro way, not in a micro way, but just like in a general way. Yeah. But does that mean, I think there's just a blessing in in doing things the way God intended them I know. to, to yeah. do. It's slippery, eh? Because you're like... Yeah, no, you're right. That's actually a good point. Because I do, I, I believe that as well. Absolutely, that that's the God has designed the universe a certain way, and that's what Jesus has taught us. You know how to live in, in the way that God has, yeah, has designed reality. And when you do, there is often, like it just seems to work with, with reality. Actually, you know, sure. when you, when you like when Jesus said, don't, you know, uh, the measuring stick you use to judge, you know, someone will be used against you. It's like. Maybe that's true in a in a larger eternal kind of sense, but it's also actually very true like right here and now. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're like a jerk who who is constantly judging people, well, actually, you're probably going to get judged by a lot of people, and it's not going to you know you're yeah. not going to have a lot of friends. You know, and it's like oh, that's just a really practical way of yeah. And the same thing when you're generous and you do your work as though unto yeah. the Lord, you'll probably be successful. That's yeah, it's a great thing. If you love your neighbor, people probably want to live next to you, yes. and you'll probably have a good business and you'll probably create a little community that's nice to live in. (laughs) Totally, totally, totally. So those are huge topics that we could maybe spend other podcasts on. But I guess my only point was I'm watching the news right now and I think we have to have a correct understanding about the kingdom of God. And we're going to do a series on the kingdom of God here at our church mm. after Easter Yeah, cool. and just talk about the kingdom. And I think it frees us to love our country in the right way and not to worship our country. Right. Like if I have an, if I believe Jesus is my king and that I'm a citizen of his kingdom, I'm freed up to love Canada, but not worship Canada. And I'm freed up not to bow my knee to things that Canada is doing that are not right. Right. Yeah. But I can still be a great citizen here Mm. and love this country, but not worship the country and everything. And that's the fear is when the Russian Orthodox church or with Putin or Trump's evangelicals or uh, the Queens Anglicans or, you know, whoever yeah. it is, the German Lutherans in World War II, you just cannot distinguish between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world, right? right. They've, they've been bundled together like two beasts in Revelation 13. Mm, yeah. And uh, and so I think there's a healthier way um, to, to live. And I and I just want to end with just Revelation 19.15, the way Jesus wins, he's on a white horse in Revelation 19, the way he wins the battle is with, we see that coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword which with uh with which he strikes down the nations right Mm. and we always think that's a violent image but notice where the sword is coming it's coming out of his mouth it's not in his hand Mm. it's not a warrior posture it's the word right Mm. it's the sword that can pierce through (laughs) every life yeah and it's the and it's his words and so he slays the nations quote unquote with the truth with right. truth and yeah. we're people of truth not people of violence mm-hmm. or war and so i think we follow that lead and go our savior has a sword but it's coming out of his mouth it's not in his hands and so i think that is a definite signpost that points us to nonviolence and to yeah. peacemaking mm-hmm. and uh and that's i think what life looks like in the kingdom of god anyway i just uh, I hope that this has been helpful just to think a little bit about this idea of Holy Russia and what's currently going on in the news as well. So Yeah, no, it's huge. And it is it is hard to know what 
yeah, what your what your role is as a Christian in times like this, besides the obvious, you know, we want to be praying for and trusting that God hears our prayers and acts on them, mm-hmm. you know, for Ukraine and for all the, I mean, just, and actually, it's, and it's, yeah, you just think about so many um, innocent civilians, right? I'm sure in that even you hear, you read about people in Russia that just really don't want this, um, but of course are very pressured to, you know, to, to line themselves up with the, the government and with Putin. And, you know, um, it's just, it's such a, um, it's a tragic thing. And it sometimes can feel so helpless to know how to respond as Christians, right? Totally. Um, obviously, there's good organizations, which I know we've talked about in our church too, like ways that you can support, um, you know, whatever, uh, Ukraine and, and those that are really, really displaced by all of this. And But yeah, anyways, no, it's good. It's interesting. I'd never, I had never heard that angle before about um, Putin's perhaps jihad. Is that fair to say? <laughs> Different faith, but yeah. yeah but sure. I mean, it's like yeah. holy war, yeah. right? Doesn't it's holy war. holy war. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is that is that distinctly Muslim? Yep. Like holy war. Like it's not like you couldn't use that just in general. Oh no. Yeah. You can yeah, use yeah. that in general. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, Maybe we should let people know uh, nlcc.ca/ukraine. You right. can go there and yep. you can click there just to give to um, to MCC. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, work of caring for refugees. Totally. Yeah. 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 And we need to be continue to pray for. Yeah. For uh, peace on earth. God's will to be done mm-hmm. on earth as it is in heaven. Corey. Yes, Matthew. It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. So good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really glad I could contribute to this conversation. <laughs> no, totally. it's good. It, really good. I really appreciate it. It um, it does sometimes, I wanted to just quickly say to you, like, it's funny, as you were describing this, we, we talked for about 10 minutes beforehand, but I was like, honestly, I, the first thing that I thought was like, who then can be saved? <laughs> you know, I was thinking like about, you think about the church and about all right. the the brokenness and the this propensity towards aligning ourselves with things that are actually not <laughs> from God. You know, you're like, man, totally. it's... Uh, it made me think about, and I think I've told you before, I love the book by Ronald uh, Rollheiser, um, The Holy Longing. And, mm-hmm. and I remember he wrote this, I think I told you this line that he wrote that it just has always stuck with me. And he said, the church will always be God hung between two thieves. Hmm. And I remember being like, that's, it's really helpful. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't solve anything because <laughs> you're like, sure. we, you know, and he's like, in the church, you will find God and you will also find the thieves. Like, you'll also find, yes. it's like we're a broken mess in yes. a lot of ways. But also a beautiful mess. Anyways, yeah, sorry, just vamping on that a little bit. But you know what I think? What? If only the world would just listen to you and I. We just solved, we just interpreted Revelation. Seriously. We figured out the Russian problem. It's not that hard, yeah. Peacemaking. Yeah, like, it's just, right. it's pretty it's like, easy stuff. You just folks, have to get the word out. Yeah, tune into the get After the Sunday word podcast. Out. Yeah. <laughs> we need people to do, you heard it here. Yeah, exactly. After Sunday. That's right. If only. Um, okay. Hey, that's all. Okay. Thank you. We love you. <laughs> we love all. you, North Langley. We will see you on Sunday and after Sunday. Get it? <laughs> right? Okay. Just goodbye. turn it off. <laughs>